Hello? 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 Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine. Okay. Okay, America. Okay, America, let's rethink and reimagine. In just about every single conversation I've been having these days, we invariably circle back to the current state of this pandemic, the state of affairs, whether or not life will ever go back to something that even resembles normal. We keep talking about the new normal. We either speak about what we wish for or what we most fear, because the unknown is much more profound to us than the actual experience we do know. You know, some people have actually equated their quarantine experience to being incarcerated in prison. I read recently an article in the Marshall Project website by a writer and an inmate, a current inmate, Jerry Metcalf. It was titled, No, Your Coronavirus Quarantine Is Not Just Like Being in Prison. And Jerry goes on to write, quote, I'd give anything to trade places with you right now, end quote. So it got us thinking here at OK America, we really need an expert who understands the big reset we're going through and how do we rebuild our life and thrive in a new normal. And if we're going to compare it to prison life, we better understand what we're comparing it to at all. Right. So we went and we found a wonderful guest. She speaks all over the world. She's a speaker and an author. And she was once incarcerated for marijuana trafficking. She went from the all American girl growing up in rural Ohio to marijuana trafficking to her 2003 indictment, to her 2005 14-month incarceration in a federal prison camp, to now being a prison consultant and a prison reform advocate. And she's speaking around the world as we speak. It's relevant right now. Her name is Jennifer Myers. Jennifer, thanks for coming on to our podcast. And thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So before we get into the topic of the big reset, tell us a little bit about, I mean, I ran through that really quickly and there's so much. If you go to your website, right, jennifermyers.co, there's so much on there. It's quite a journey. I'm just proud to sit across from you and have this conversation with somebody who's had so much life experience and so many resets in their life. Yeah, thank you. It was interesting when you were sharing, sort of introducing me, I, I sort of got tears in my eyes. And sometimes I'm still struck by how challenging it was to be arrested by the federal government, to wait two and a half years to be sentenced. I was facing 10 years, and that was you know quite scary. And, and then to finally get sentenced, luckily to only three years in federal prison, and then to go in. And of course, I had three years probation when I got out. And each of those experiences have led you to actually consulting and coaching people who are looking and facing their own sort of reset and change in their life and possibly going into prison themselves. Tell us a little bit about the work you're doing. Yeah. So when I was incarcerated, I was definitely struck by the women that I met many who were, most who were mothers with two or three children. And I just knew that I had to do something when I was released. And and so I started by 
writing my memoir, Trafficking the Good Life. And once that was published, I started speaking in schools to kids about making good choices. And then I founded my nonprofit, Rise to Empower, which uh, basically is working to help women learn to recreate their life. It's a three-month program. And we've worked with at-risk youth and Most recently, we're on our second program with San Diego U.S. Federal Probation, which is basically who had arrested me. (laughs) So that's pretty powerful. I've I've also, for the last three years, have gone inside prison to work with men, many who are lifers, who are never getting out. We help put on the first TEDx inside of a prison. We just recently wrote a uh, workbook for the men while they're quarantined right now, while they're incarcerated to help them get through it. And, and I've also been helping women and their families to support them to prepare to go to prison, people who've never been incarcerated. So I tend to work in a lot of different arenas in the prison environment. Well, w- what's interesting is that being incarcerated hasn't defined you, but it somehow has challenged you to create an identity based on the experience that you've had. How does that relate in your mind to the coronavirus and what the globe is going through right now? Yeah, so it's interesting because I was thinking about this before we got on this call. For me, you know, I definitely fell into what I call my purpose through the challenge of being incarcerated. And and that was surprising to me. But it's interesting because compared to the coronavirus, you know, whether it's incarceration and arrest, the coronavirus, you know, obviously the virus is something that's been placed, let's say, on us. So, you know, there's a, there's a tendency to feel resistant to it. And on top of that, we're having regulations and, and conditions and confinement put on us. So again, there is that similar feeling of being incarcerated, that there's something that we have to do that we are being told to do, that we have no choice about it, that we feel like we have no choice about it. And so what I've discovered in those spaces is that it's actually a quite a precious space. And, you know, it becomes its own entity. So for me, just like incarceration, the virus is, is a being. And the conditions that we're in, that the quote-unquote new normal, is its own being and energy. And it's up to us to make the decision how we're going to meet that. And that's how I see it. It's a chance for us to expand if we get out of our way and to not be in resistance it's a partnership. It's a collaboration. You know, and then out of that, you can create magic. You know, what's interesting about reading your bio and then reading what you've written on your website, I'm struck most by 2003 to 2005, the two and a half years you were waiting for probably not waiting, but what was out of your hands was the outcome of decision-making right? And, and to me, if there's any experience that I'm having personally with regard to all of this at 63 years of age, is that I have to wait for other people to make decisions that affect my decision of how I'm going to approach my next moment, right? So you could be living in California and Governor Newsom's making certain proclamations that people in California have to follow here in the Midwest in St. Louis, right? The county is following different rules than the entire state's following, right? That I live in. 
And, and so tell me a little bit about that because that what you spoke about the support you got from family and friends during that time period. And I got the sense that that was the most difficult of all of it. Yeah, no, that was, you know, I want to say that was hell. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And luckily I did have the support of friends and family, which was definitely needed. But at the same time, they were challenged by it too. So, you know, in some ways I was, you know, really sort of in it on my own and I knew I'd created it. You know, with the coronavirus, even though the conditions may feel like it's confined and there's an unknown, there's not shame around it. So, you know, when somebody's talking about incarceration, there's shame. And so, you know, let's just say that's the big difference. But I have to say in the beginning, I didn't handle it quite gracefully. I was a little bit in shock. And I think when we go through a period like this, you know, we instantly get on to survival mode. Right. And, 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 and it, it, it took up literally space in my head. It was like this new situation was living inside of me and, and I could feel it. And I had to grow and expand inside of myself to contain it so I could do more than just survive. In the beginning, when it first came into me, just like with the virus, we're on survival mode and it has to take space. I couldn't remember simple things. Like I'd look at a pen and I'd say the word paper. It was like a part of me was disconnecting because there was something else inside that needed space. So I started to pull on my deepest strength to get bigger inside so I could contain my situation of not knowing if I was facing 10 years or not and waiting along with the rest of my life. Right. That's remarkable. So you weren't getting bigger in space. You were accessing the capacity of the space that you had, that you weren't using. This is one of the opportunities we have today, right? It's actually the opportunity we always have, but it seems to be really present today. In that time period, what's remarkable and I admire is that as much as you were fighting for your life and fearing for the worst, you were also accessing the best of yourself. And for that, I want to bring in our two co-hosts because they're amazing and they're the best of this show as well. And so Juliette Lamar, TV personality, actress, artist, trying to solve the world problems one micro step at a time. And of course, our Dr. B. Thomas, who is an Air Force veteran, a former federal police officer, by the way, college professor and CEO of a cannabis company. Boy, is this going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, everybody. And welcome and introducing you to Jennifer Myers. Hey. Uh, hi. <laughs> nice to meet Hello, you. Hello, everybody. Um, so we're talking about the big reset, right? We're talking about what does it mean to actually step into something brand new and find a way to thrive. Jennifer and I have been talking, you guys were listening in. What do you think about this topic? I mean, what do you think about this in your own life? I'm amazed. First of all, I'm amazed by Jennifer's story. I just am so blown away by what you went through and, and how you were able to find yourself. I feel like if you hadn't experienced what you experienced, of course you wouldn't be where you are now. And I feel like it was meant for you to help these women, like you said. And I think it's amazing that you were able to take such a crappy situation and really find, this is a true reset. You really found mm -hmm. a, a true reset in this. And it's just so inspiring. You know, you actually had the worst of the worst of the worst 
happen to you. And yet now you're helping people. You're able to reach back and help people. And had you not been there, then you wouldn't have seen the situation and the circumstances. You have like real world experience. And this makes you such a powerful teacher. Mm-hmm. But in that, you speak to something that I think is important for all of us, including our listeners, is that I suspect that somewhere along the line in the process of your experience, you didn't own what you did, right? I mean, it, it, at some point, I mean, there are so many people who their big issue is, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong, right? Or it should never be illegal. I'm going to prison for marijuana, for God's sakes. Or, right? Or I, it's because I'm a short Jewish old guy, or I'm a black man in society. And there's some really relevant topics around that and relevant positions. But everything that I watch about you is you've come to own it. And I I wonder about that process. So I I am the biggest fan of taking responsibility. And I definitely, through the two and a half years, had my hissy fits, my breakdowns, my sobbing by the bookstore with a glass of wine or two or three and, you know, feeling sorry for myself and victimized. You know, I had my anger at the government, at the judge, even, you know, when I was incarcerated, you know, and I saw the show TV, you know, Weeds was on and people were getting awards. I'm like, well, I'm in prison for marijuana and you're glorifying marijuana on TV. This isn't fair. And for me, I think it's important that we allow ourselves to admit that we have those feelings and that we do want to blame and we do want to cry and to ask ourselves, okay, we're hurt. We're not okay. We're not feeling safe. And to recognize that and what do we need and then to move on. Because to me, staying in any sort of victimhood, that will crush you in the beginning. That is the biggest place to get stuck. So Juliet, in that, I mean, this moves you. You've met Jennifer Mm -hmm. before and have had her on other podcasts and all of that. But what about responsibility? I mean, you were a national champion gymnast, right? You're you're on a balance beam and the world's looking. And I know people are like, what the hell are you talking about? What's the relevance of of standing on a you know six inch piece of wood versus somebody who's been in prison? But there is something driven by people who are willing to step up and walk across the thin line, willing to fall if they fall. Well, it's really just, you know, having confidence in your own ability and then being tough enough to follow through. And that is in anything in life, whether you're competing on a world stage in gymnastics, you have to trust that your practice has has brought you to this point and that you can follow through and you can you can achieve what your dreams are. It's the same thing if you have a career goal or a business goal or a parent goal. You have to have confidence in your ability. And once you have confidence, you're able to come from a place that you see opportunity as opposed to seeing obstacles, right? Once you have that confidence and Jen, you have it. I, I always love having Jen on. She's the best. When you said you fell into your purpose, that happens so much more frequently than people realize that something will happen in your life. And if you're simply confident and you see opportunity, you can fall into your purpose, right? It's not you're falling down, you're falling into 
Yeah, and, and I'd like to say something about that. I, yeah, I love that you brought that up. And it surprised me as much as anything else. I never went into prison saying, I'm going to come out and make my whole life is going to be about prison. Mm-hmm. It would have been much easier to just come out of prison and forget about it like most people mm-hmm. do and go on with my life. But two things that I think are important, you know, especially talking about reset and who we are in the new normal, two things that, that helped me to take responsibility, to not get crumbled by the situation, but to thrive within it was to pull on like the deepest parts of me that I'd forgotten that came mm. up to support me. And for me, that was my, my writing and doing art. And literally that saved me when I was inside prison. And so the artistry that's behind you, did you do some of that? I did. That's my playtime. I, I was looking at it earlier when you got on our Zoom. Everybody were on a Zoom call as we're recording this podcast. So we get to see Jennifer Myers and Dr. B and Juliet and everybody's uh, aesthetics around them as, as we're doing this, this call. We're talking about the big reset. Like, what is it that we need to know about ourselves in order to thrive in the new normal? And Jennifer Myers has had quite a journey, but you know, the other piece, Jen, that, that strikes me is that there isn't one new normal. It isn't like we go from the past to the future. There were many new normals in between and continue to be many new normals in your life and all of our lives. But one minute you're living one truth, the next minute you're living the next truth, and then the next minute you're back out living a different truth. And those are all circumstances and not the actual truth of your intention. It's not your purpose. How did you distinguish the difference between being you being this teacher, which we all see and gravitate towards, or you being somebody who's made a bad decision and had to get through the circumstances to get through it and get out of it? So for me, I mean, the best way that I can answer this right now is that I am still working with Jennifer Myers, who committed a crime, and Jennifer Myers, who feels shame that she was incarcerated. Like, those pieces are still being recovered. And through that, I bring it forward with me. And somehow, you know, sometimes possibly I'm not able to bring and synthesize the two together, whether it's Jennifer who committed a crime or Jennifer who's the teacher and is doing good work. And I notice the times that I'm in that shame again and I feel like, you know, I think I said the other day to my friend, well, well, I'm a criminal. He said, no, you're not a criminal. You were a criminal. And so, you know, it's interesting to me, I've worked really hard inside of myself to bring who I was with me forward into one big bucket because all of it now is valued. Absolutely. You know, what I love about what you're saying is that who we are is always who we are, right? And as we collect up the experiences based on the choices we make, we collect them up and, and it's dealing with the shame of that. So, you know, there's a high percentage of people in the United States who don't have more than three months worth of reserves in the bank. Well, we're in our third month of this quarantine, and who knows what's happening with them. The level of shame about the choices we avoided prior that led us to this moment, we better go deep. We have to go deep, or we become those circumstances, right? Now we become the effect of 
whether or not we can eat tomorrow or, you know, we take responsibility or not for what's happening to us. Yeah. And I want to say something. I mean, you're exactly right. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people in circumstances right now and they're really, really scared. And the more that we move forward, our past becomes just as important in my experience. Like from what I believe to honor who we've been and to not allow the shame to stop us because we can't get stuck in our shame either. That's another killer. But I wanted to say what I do know is true. Even when you're in that survival mode of where am I going to get my money next month or in two months and I'm scared, we all have a reserve inside of ourselves. Like that is what I know a hundred percent is true because that is what I found because I was forced to find it sink or swim. And I found it. That reserve is inside there. And in that reserve are answers <laughs> to what's next, right? That's it. It's a total discovery. Well said. Well said. Awesome. We're going to have to go to break right now and let our sponsors tell us a little bit about themselves. We want to thank our guest, Jennifer Meyer. She's an author, a speaker. She's a prison reform consultant. Check out her work on her website, jennifermyers.co, or her social media. Jennifer, where can everybody find you? Instagram at jenmyers198. At jenmyers198. 198. Jennifer Myers, you're an inspiration, and I'm really proud to have you on our show. Thank you so much. Be safe, be well. Everybody, we'll be right back after this commercial break. In a world that's ever-changing and a future ever-uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life, better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and kosher certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state-of-the-art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health, redefining wellness. Welcome back, America. We've been talking about the big reset, how to rebuild your life and thrive in the new normal. We had an amazing guest on, Jennifer Myers. Check her out at jennifermyers.co. She is a former inmate of a federal prison who is now a prison reform advocate and coaches people who are heading into incarceration. Her enlightenment and her correlations with what we're going through in the reset of 2020 has just been really, really helpful. And, you know, Dr. B, you were a federal officer at one time. What resonated for you here? Well, you know, we were speaking so highly of Jennifer during our break. I think we're all very impressed. I mean, this is my first time meeting her. And I tell you, just the things that she encountered and how she was able to overcome is very impressive. As a former federal police officer, I am, I'm touched and I'm honored to have her as a guest. And one of the things that she spoke about was shame, you know, the shame that she had to overcome while being incarcerated. And during the break, I was talking about how, you know, 
I had no intentions on getting into the cannabis space. I had absolutely <laughs> zero intentions, you know, former federal cop, college professor. Right. So I was brought into the cannabis space by Matt, who is my significant other. And so I had to overcome the shame and the stigma of being in, you know, an industry that more people are accepting now, but, you know, just a few years ago, it wasn't as acceptable as it is today. And even now you're still overcoming the stigma of it all. And then sometimes when people find out that I used to be a federal cop and I'm in the cannabis industry, they automatically have all of these assumptions like, how dare you? How dare yeah. you? <laughs> mm-hmm. When the fact remains that I've never arrested, I'm glad I've never had to arrest anyone for cannabis during my entire time of being a federal police officer. But one of the ways that I was able to, I don't know, really feel like I belonged in this space and feeling like I could give back, you know, just really giving back was by joining the LEAP, which formerly is known as the Law Enforcement Action Partnership, which was the Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which are basically law enforcement officers who actually support cannabis. It's a nonprofit group of former police officers, judges, prosecutors, and other uh, criminal justice professionals who use their expertise to advance drug policy and criminal justice solutions. So, you know, I'm proud to be part of that. I'm proud to be part of a group of law enforcement people who actually support cannabis. And it's fascinating to be in such a time where I can say that you (laughs) couldn't say that a few years ago, but now you can. So I really enjoy just getting her perspective and, and what she experienced. And I could totally relate to some of those things, especially that piece about shame. You know, what's interesting to me in, in what you're saying and what Jennifer spoke about in the last segment is you know, the circumstance of the time, right? If you're born and raised in the Great Depression, you have a perspective on life. If you Mm -hmm. are incarcerated for marijuana, you have a different perspective than somebody today who lives in a state where cannabis is legal and people see it as medicinal. And the culture dictates the experience that we have, but the experience we have dictates the culture. It's really structure protects process and process mm. dictates structure, right? It, mm. it's, it's really interesting. So as we were talking with Jennifer about the big reset, she touched on things, uh, Juliet, like purpose and surrendering to your experience. Mm-hmm. And here we are having our podcast recording in literally four different locations. There's four of us on this. uh, Studio Sam is recording us. Dr. B's in Southern California, a different part of Southern California than Juliet Lamar, and I'm here in the the Midwest. Juliet, where does your purpose lie in COVID-19? I think that my purpose during COVID-19 you know, lies with going deep in myself and reevaluating what I find to be most beneficial for me, right? Like, I think this is a time when really we're, we're faced with ourselves and looking at what exactly makes us happy, what doesn't make us happy, and honing in on those things without distractions. A lot of people are trying to fight, you know, fight this, and I, I'm, I'm all for the fight, like fight when you need to. 
But if you just embrace what's happening and say, wow, now I have this time to really look inward, I think that's when the most personal growth is going to happen. And I'm so happy to see that actually happening for so many people. I've heard this from a lot of people saying, wow, I didn't realize this about myself or I didn't realize this about my partner and really cultivating those quiet relationships that maybe you didn't fully understand and really taking this time to do that. And going back to what Jen said, she's, you know, you embrace instead of resist. Mm -hmm. if something that you can't change. If you can't change it. You just embrace it and you find the beautiful qualities within it. And for me, you own the moment that you're in within this. You don't sit and wait for it to end, right? Because when you do that, you can't be honest about your participation. You know, there are people who have, were not ready for this. And what did they learn from that? And there are people who weren't physically ready for that. I had to figure out, I used to walk in the water three times a week because of my scoliosis. And it was my way since I was 21 years old to, to alleviate the stress off of this bizarre body I have and keep myself moving right? Because somebody dictated that my circumstance would be inside of a sitting in a wheelchair and I wasn't going to do it. Today, I have to find, even though I can't get into a swimming pool because there's no public swimming pools available to me, doesn't mean that I shouldn't find another way rather than sitting and waiting saying, well, there's no swimming pool. I might as well just sort of atrophy as I sit here talking to all of you. That to me is the opportunity within the big reset. So from all of this, Dr. B, what's your takeaway in this conversation with Jennifer Myers on the big reset that um, our listeners can take from you and try in their lives? Well, there's so many profound things that Jennifer spoke on, but my final tips, I would say you need to do something positive to raise your vibration. I think that's very important in helping you thrive in this particular time. And I also think it's important to create a vision for yourself, even though you might feel like all is lost, but when you have a vision for yourself, it, it makes you hopeful for the future. So knowing that this too shall pass, making the most of your situation, allowing it to be, controlling what you can control and releasing this, those things that you cannot control, I think it's very important to really focus on yourself like we have been doing, doing the self-work. Rebuilding starts with accepting the new normal and finding out what that means for you and really taking advantage of it instead of just like Jennifer was saying, becoming victimized in it. You know, she took the worst situations and really turned it into something positive. And I feel like we can all do that. And Julia, for you, what's a takeaway here that, uh, that you want to share with our listeners? I think it's very simple. Don't wait. Don't wait for it to be over. Don't wait for the perfect circumstance. And this is something you can do not in quarantine as well. Don't wait for your circumstance to change. Take hold of the personal power that you have that no one can take away from you. It's already in you. And do what you want to do with that. Thank you, guys. At any time in our life's journey, there are pauses that happen breathless moments where we are faced with changes so significant, we must make a decision. Is this the big reset for me? What do I change and what do I fight to remain? And through that entire process, how do I do more than just survive? 
We talked about vision today, intention, purpose, and action. We need everybody to rethink about what is real in the decisions that led you here and reimagine how you step beyond mere survival and into a new normal where one thrives, breathes, engages, and expresses one's identity regardless of one's circumstance. I want to thank our guest today, Jennifer Myers. I want to have her back. She's awesome. Check her out at jennifermyers.co. And of course, to my amazing friends and co-hosts, Dr. B on social media at Dr. B Speaks, Juliet Lamar on social media at juliet.lamar. And of course, to our wonderful sponsor, Kavana Health. Check them out at www, old school, kavanahealth.com. This is it for us, everybody. Okay, America, we will talk to you next time. Rethink and reimagine. Bye. 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 <laughs>